Maximize Business Value podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Mastery Partners, where our mission is to equip business owners to maximize business value so they can transition their business on their terms. Our mission was born from the lessons we've learned from over 100 business transactions, which fuels our desire to share our experiences and wisdom so you can succeed. Now, here's your host, CEO of Mastery Partners, Tom Bronson. Hi, this is Tom Bronson, and welcome to Maximize Business Value, a podcast for business owners who are passionate about building long-term sustainable value in their businesses. This episode is part of our series on books written by Certified Exit Planning Advisors, or SEPAs. Now, I obtained my SEPA certification in 2019. Earlier this year, I was invited to participate with other SEPA authors in the Author Showcase at the Exit Planning Conference in Scottsdale, Arizona, where I picked up some fantastic books. Today's is uh, one of those. In this episode, I'd like to welcome our guest, Rick J. Krebs, a CPA, entrepreneur, and M&A advisor, and principal at Business Sales Group and My Biz Value. And of course, he's the author of Sell Your Business by Design, Not by Default, a guide for selling your business for more money, a book written from the trenches uh, and school of hard knocks. I love that. And it, and it reads like that as well. Uh, his examples detail successes and failures. And like it says on his website, you'll learn the most from the failures. And by the way, what is it that uh, that um, I think it was Eleanor Roosevelt said, learn by the failures of others. You can, you're not going to live long enough to make all the mistakes yourself. I love that. So, so welcome to Maximize Business Value, Rick. Thank you, Tom. And I appreciate you having me here today. As you oh, can tell, I'm very passionate about helping business owners make a better exit. Well, and that's that's what I love about you, Rick, because you and I share that passion and so many business owners really don't, they, they think that it's just going to happen for them. So, um, and it rarely does, you know, it's, it's a, it's a process, it's a design. That's why I like the title of your book, sell it by design, not by default. So many businesses uh, sell by default and that's a terrible thing. So tell us a little bit about your background and why you became a certified exit uh, exit planning advisor. So I wanted to start a local chapter. I've been in the M&A business now for 12 years and I wanted to be an influencer and I wanted to start a local chapter of SEPAs. And this was the logical first step, right? To become a SEPA myself and not just SEPAs, but people who are interested in becoming exit planning advisors, because as we're seeing, we're going through this process, we're learning that it takes a team. You know, each of these disciplines are very specialized. And uh, in order to be good at it, you have to be a specialist because there's so much knowledge in your in your profession. And so we have to assemble a team of people that will help the business owners when they're ready to sell. And so I, I wanted to do that uh, as I as I became a SEPA, to be honest, I, I thought that I would kind of half pay attention through the classes and do check emails, right? And the ADD kicks in a little bit. And so, uh, but that wasn't the case. As I got into the material, it resonated with me. And I realized that, that Scott and Chris are starting a revolution here across the sweeping the country. More yeah. and more people are interested in exit planning. And, and uh, I wanted to be part of that. And, and becoming a SEPA was a big part of that. 
That's awesome. Now, did did I read uh, a press release? Did you guys actually start your chapter in Salt Lake already? We did. Yep. Awesome. We started our chapter um, back in June, and uh, we launched it, and uh, we had a great, very successful launch. I was surprised. You know, I was expecting to get maybe 20, 30 people interested. We had 60 people in oh, the room. Awesome. And so a lot. this is on the mind of not just business owners, but it's on the mind of attorneys, financial planners, CPAs. You know, this is, as I said, it's a revolution. It's something that's, that's going to hit us. It's a huge wave. A lot of baby boomers are are looking at retiring. They're thinking about a recession, right? So they want to get yep. out. They don't want to they don't want to be running their businesses when they're 75, 80 years old. They want to get out. So, yeah, this is a big thing. And a lot of people are interested in it. And a lot of excitement I'm seeing. Uh, I agree. Uh, we have a local chapter here in uh, North Texas and, and, uh, uh, we sort of went on, you know, it was challenged during COVID, but uh, uh, now that we're back from that hiatus, we're building, building, building every time. So, uh, so it's kind yeah. of fun. Now your book, uh, Sell Your Business by Design, Not by Default, is full of what I'd call practical advice, right? That every business owner, every business owner should read the book. And by the way, just so you know, just like always, we're going to put a link to the book on our website so that you can go uh, buy one of these books. It's a great book. Uh, mine, I don't know if you'll get one. Mine happens to be hand-signed, right, by uh, by Rick, but uh, I'll bet there might be a way you can get that. But but it's full of what I think is practical advice. So every business owner should read this book and the other books that we've highlighted here. What was the inspiration for writing your book? So in the past, in the M&A business, I, I I'm constantly talking to people about selling their business, right? And what I found, I specialize in the lower mid-market, which is our businesses with enterprise values between one and 30 million. And uh, we would do evaluation and then we would look at it and they'd be like, you know what? I, it came in at 8 million. I really want to be at 12. And I'd be like, okay, this is what you need to do. We're looking at EBITDA multiples. You need to get your EBITDA to this number, <clears throat> this amount, and uh, come back in a couple of years and let's sell it, Right. Very bad advice. Yeah. <laughs> Again, learn from your mistakes. <laughs> it worked. But uh, I wanted to influence them to start thinking about the exit plan, about the sale before it was too late. Because, yep. you know, they'll come to me and say, hey, Rick, I need to sell. I'm ready to sell. I'm like, okay, but your business isn't ready. They're like, I don't care. I need to get out. You know, and we can sell those. We can run those selling processes, but it's not, the outcome isn't the optimal outcome. It is an outcome and it works, but it's not the optimal. And what I'm finding with these people is if we can sell and we can exit the right way and maximize their value, it's a game changer for retirement. You know, if you have say $5 million in your, in your retirement account, and we can bump that to seven or eight or 10 or 12 game changer your retirement looks entirely different that way. <clears throat> we have one chance to get it right. We need to get it right. And it was all about influencing people and, and being a thought leader in this space. And so I felt like a book would be a great way to do that. You know, you can only reach so many people. Uh, and so I felt like you know, I get a book out there and I give my book to business owners all the time and say, read this, learn about it, get educated. And so that's what the book was all about. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't enough, right? I, I no. felt like I needed to do more. So Never we started the, the Utah chapter of Exit Planners. It's another way to be an influencer in the group. Yeah, excellent. Now, uh, you say that was bad advice, but that I felt like that was pretty good advice. Why, why would you say that that was bad advice? 
You know, it was it was good advice, but I kind of put them like the sheep before the wolves. Uh, yeah. I, I didn't I didn't give them direction. I didn't have people in my in my Rolodex that I could send them to. I didn't have people that were business coaches that could move the EBITDA needle in big ways. Yeah, um, I showed them what they needed to focus on, which I think was good. Their their EBITDA number or their SDE number. Yep. You know, so they knew what to focus on, but they just didn't know how to get there. And yeah. so it worked, but it was clumsy. <laughs> yeah. You see, and that's why we, that's what we do. We're a value advisor, right? We work mm-hmm. in that space of doing that. And what, what a lot of people don't realize, and you, of course, clearly know, is that, you know, 98% of all transactions are transacted on a multiple of EBITDA, you know, EBITDA or seller discretionary mm-hmm. earnings. Um, you know, a lot of people think, oh, I got all kinds of things, technology, whatever. There are some transactions that are based on, you know, te- a specific technology that you own or or a recurring revenue, but, but those are the exception. By and large, most transactions are on a basis of earnings. And so you've got to focus on maximizing those earnings so that you can get the biggest uh, transaction that you can. And so a lot of people don't, uh, they, they just don't believe that, or they, more importantly, they don't understand how businesses uh, are uh, are transacted in their space. And so, yeah, you and I probably spent a lot of time talking with folks about that. So now you attack some of the most common issues right up front, right in that whole first section, confidentiality, time frame, you know, seller notes and more. Um, now, most business owners have unasked questions about these things. So what role do these unasked questions play in why business owners delay preparing their business for sale until in many cases, it's just too late to do anything about it? So I think, I think it's unchartered territory for business owners. They've never done it before. And in many ways, they treat it like death. They know it's impending, <laughs> but they don't plan, right? right. <laughs> and so they go into this not knowing what they're doing. And uh, too many times I get a call from a business owner at, and they need to sell and they need to sell right away, but they haven't planned. And we can sell those companies, right? Sure. But the ones that start with the end in mind, I say, mind your exit, don't blind your exit. Um, get started early. Um, with the very first day when you start your business, say, what is this exit going to like? And so you build them to sell them. Um, being in this unfamiliar territory, they just don't know what they're doing. Business owners love to know what they're doing. And so if they don't, they kind of move away from it. And so they pretend it's not going to happen. Right. Right. Yeah. In fact, that's the name of my book, which uh, Maximize Business Value, Begin with the Exit in Mind. Love it. Uh, and so, because it's, I think it's never, my opinion is it's never too early to start thinking about your exit strategy. In fact, um, our listeners already know I've done a hundred transactions in my career, uh, buying and selling businesses. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and every business I ever acquired, I didn't, make, I didn't pull the trigger on making that acquisition until I could clearly articulate what my exit strategy was going to be. Uh, and so, uh, and then you relentlessly work toward that, uh, exit. So, uh, so, you know, I, I suspect that a lot of business owners just don't know what questions to ask. And when they start engaging in that dialogue, it makes them feel dumb, right? Well, why, mm-hmm. I mean, I should understand. Yeah, and they don't that. like it. 
And they, 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 like they don't. Yeah. Business owners do not like to feel dumb. Right. And so, so, uh, so I'm glad you've written this book in mind because it's all about kind of getting these things out there and, and addressing those because once, once a business owner can kind of get that whole thing out of their mind uh, about, you know, I don't, I don't understand this, then they can start asking the right questions and someone can help them uh, move down that path together. You know, it's interesting that, you know, they, your comment that they, treat it like death. Unfortunately, death is an all too common exit strategy for, you know, that's why I tell people, if you don't have an exit strategy, then your strategy is by default, die behind my desk. Um, and, and I don't know about you, but I, I get calls all the time from attorneys or family members who go, you know, my husband died or the, you know, uh, I represent the family of a, of a business owner who passed away six weeks ago and, and we need to sell the business. The, the minute the owner dies, especially if it's an owner dependent business, the value of that business drops like a rock. Yeah. Uh, and so, so I'm in, in most cases we try to help, but there's not a lot we can do after that happens. So I tell the business owners, or do you want to deal with this now, or do you just want to kick the can down the street to your heirs who are going to have to deal with it? And by the way, they're going to have a, a less valuable asset. So, uh, uh, so it's, it's a hard conversation to have. What are some of the most common mistakes that you see business owners make when they sell their businesses? We talked about the first one, which is the failure to plan Yep. early. The second one I would say is not hiring the right advisory team. Uh. Um, I would interview your, your potential M&A guy or broker, investment bank, or whoever it is that's going to help you. I would interview a couple of them. And um, it costs. The good guys are going to cost some money, right? And, and uh, like attorneys, you get an attorney that charges $25 an hour, and that's, a, that's what you get. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good Lord. You can find an yeah. attorney for 25 bucks. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm, in the, I'm in the middle of a sale right now, and it's... It, uh, decent size. It's, it's an $18 million transaction. Uh, and they had an attorney that had drafted their contract with their customers that they've used for years and years, but it, it has some things in there that's really hurting them on a sale. Uh, right. And so if you don't hire the right people and, and be prepared to, to pay them, pay them well, and they'll be worth every cent that you pay them and more. And so you've got to surround yourself with a good advisory team and the team members would be, um, you need a good M&A guy, a business broker, investment banker, depending on the size of your company. You need, I call them deal guys. These are people that do this as a living 100% of the time. They close a lot of transactions. They know what they're doing. You need a really good transaction attorney. You need a really good CPA. Um, you need a really good financial planner that's going to take the, you know, take the, the money and they're going to invest it for you after it's all done. And at a minimum, you need those four. So that's the first thing, hiring the right advisory team. Um, how about not being educated about the sale? I see a lot of owners that go into this blindly. They haven't taken time to learn, to, to listen to podcasts or, or learn about it. They just, you know, as we talked, kick the can down the road instead of picking it up and taking a drink. Well, if they, the more they can learn, the, the better it is. And um, another one I'd say is they let well-meaning attorneys drive the ship. You've got to have control of your advisor. You got to have a good team, but you got to have um, control of them. Also, I've seen many well-meaning attorneys 
of just kill deals, kill transactions. Yeah. Um, and they, they, think they, just, they think they're protecting their client when what they're doing is destroying the ability yeah, for them to yeah, sell. Just destroying it. And uh, not understanding how valuation works. I would say that's another big one. Um, yeah, I want to ask about that and just say before before we get to valuation, uh, you know, one of the things that we talk about with our clients is all attorneys are not cut from the same cloth, right? Um, mm -hmm. And when you say the right, I, I, I love it. You and I speak the same language. You got to have the right CPA. You got to have the right uh, attorney. You got to have the right uh, um, uh, wealth advisor, all of the above. And I, I would add on to that, that you want somebody who is experienced in transactions, right? For a CPA and for an attorney. Um, too many times, and I'm sure you've seen this in your career, um, deals are killed by attorneys who are not qualified to be working on the transaction anyway. You know, they're, exactly. a, they're a litigator or they're a, a real estate attorney. Litigators are notorious kill, deal killers, right? Um, and because yeah. in litigated, litigation world, there's a winner and a loser. Uh, you know, in, in business law, there is compromise, right? And so you try and figure out a way to make that work. And so that's the psychology, I think, that works behind that. But yeah. But I really think that, you know, having somebody who is experienced in that, when when our when we get our clients to transaction, we always recommend folks who are uh who are specific transaction attorneys, right? That that they only do transactions because they are skilled in the art of how to get this deal through the juggernaut uh, and get it to a close. And so, yeah. so and CPAs too, you got to understand the tax ramifications of the transaction. And if you have a great CPA and an attorney working together, perhaps a deal can be structured to minimize your tax consequences. Right. And so, so yeah, exactly. And they, these transactions are middle of the road. I tell my people, you know, you look at them like, the event is like a wedding, not a divorce. And you have to treat it that way. Yeah. As we go through the process, you know, you're courting the other person and you're asking them questions, but you know, you're not beating them up. And, right. and if we let the attorneys beat them up too bad, then they feel so bad and they walk away from it. So you've got to look at it like that and, and uh, middle of the road. And I say two things, two requirements. One, it has to be straight up honest or not at all. And two, it has to be middle of the road and fair to both people. Yeah, it's a win-win, or we don't do it. Period. Yep. I I love that. Uh, I love that. Now you mentioned right before I kind of jumped in and wanted to talk about the team, the whole valuation, business valuation, and and I agree with you. But explain to our audience how a business valuation can help in the exit planning process. So a couple of things: going through the process of a formal business valuation. You know, you can hop online. They have little calculators, and you can. Just plug in the number till you get the value you want. <laughs> I'm not talking about one of those. I'm talking about a formal one where you go through that process of getting your financials together, identifying discretionary expenses, and looking at the risk factors with your business. Going through that process is an educational process that's extremely valuable to business owners because they learn. They learn the questions that buyers are going to ask. They're going to look at, they're going to learn what buyers are looking at and looking for. And then that it, it's a great exercise that is a first step. And also at the end, once they understand, I've, had, I've been on phone calls with business owners, we've done evaluation and they're like, I can't believe this, Rick. You mean if I put, for every dollar I put towards my EBITDA, I get a four times return on that in value? 
We're like, wow, yeah, I'm trying to minimize that number for my taxes, right? <laughs> but it, it just like the light bulb comes on. I'm looking at a 400% return on my money. And I, I don't know about you, maybe Bitcoin or one of those, when it was going up, you could get that. But yeah, right. They see their business as an investment and not yeah. just a business after that. Yeah, we we always say treat it as an asset, right? You treat, yeah, exactly. your, you treat your home as an asset, right? It's mm-hmm. going to appreciate in value. And you, you, if you decided you were going to sell your home, you wouldn't just get up one morning, call an agent, and then stick a for sale sign. You're going to clean up. You're going to have the carpets exactly. cleaned. You're going to paint the walls. And it's all of those things that will add to the value of the house. Same thing. It's not that easy with a business. Sometimes it takes uh, uh, some time for some of the changes that you need to make in your business to actually reach the financial statements. And that's where the rubber meets the road. Right. And yep. so, so, uh, so I love that. I, I agree. I, for our clients that are, that are uh, on retainer with us, and we have, uh, you know, lots of clients that are, we actually do a business valuation for them every year. We update it. We mm-hmm. show them progress that they're making and and uh, toward reaching the goal that they stated to us at the beginning because that's that's where we start is here's where you are today let's define where you want to be uh, and when you want to be there and then let's monitor the progress to how we're making it and so uh, so I love yeah. that I think that they should go through uh, doing that yeah you know, there are some online tools that are not terrible but but go through the process of really understanding because the drivers, the the value drivers up and down, it's so important to understand those. So uh, before we jump on a break here, when is it too early to start planning for a business exit? Never too early. <laughs> From the day one, <laughs> when you start the business, you register at your Department of Commerce, start thinking about that exit and what it looks like. Build it to sell it. And here's the beauty. Even if you build it to sell it and don't sell, you build a great business because exit planning is business planning. And, and you know, Chris Snyder's talked a lot about that. And I totally believe that. And sometimes we help business owners and they build such a great business, they don't end up selling it. You know what? And good for them. Yep. Oh, yeah. I, we actually help our clients if they want to make the transition from being a owner operator to being an owner investor, because investors look at businesses differently than operators do, mm-hmm. uh, then then we'll help them do that. You know, many times we'll have a client that's the business is is doing well, throwing off a lot of cash. They're like, you know what? I'm, I'm too young. I don't want to get rid of it, but I don't want to work in it anymore. Exactly. Uh, well, great. Then let's teach you how to how to do that, how to get the right people involved and and uh, and be able to own the business as a, as a passive income, you know? And so, uh, so yeah, there's all kinds of ways uh, to do that. Or many times they get through the process and the business is so improved and they're having so much more fun in the business. They just don't want to sell it. Right. And so, uh, which and I, that's a win, right? We talk about yeah. a win-win. That's a win. Yeah, that's, it is. And, uh, but the, but the thing about the exit planning to me is if you do it properly and you get your business ready, for a transaction, you just never know when a bluebird is going to land right outside your door, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and if you get that out of the blue, unsolicited, ridiculous offer for whatever it is, and your business is ready, well, then you you are ready to go. But if you get those ridiculous offers and you're not ready, it's probably going to die 
uh, on the vine. You know, it's going to die uh, before it ever gets to a close. And so, so uh, you know, of course, every business owner will tell you, oh, I get offers on my business every day. Well, most of those are not real. Um, and every business owner is being called uh, on the planet by by all the uh, private equity, and especially if you're of a certain size. Uh, and But not all of them are, are really are real buyers. But every now and then I hear about those deals that, you know, this just popped up on our radar. And I'm like, great. Cause the good news is you're ready. Let's, let's investigate. Right. Yep. Uh, and so that's awesome. Look, we're talking with Rick Krebs and I'm having a great time. I know our audience is as well. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back in 30 seconds. Every business will eventually transition some internally to employees and managers and some externally to third party buyers. Mastery Partners equips business owners to maximize business value so they can transition their businesses on their terms using our four-step process. We start with a snapshot of where your business is today. Then we help you understand where you want to be and design a custom strategy to get you there. Next, we help you execute that strategy with the assistance of our amazing resource network. And ultimately, you'll be able to transition your business on your terms. What are you waiting for? More time? More revenue? If you want to maximize your business value, it takes time. Now is that time. Get started today by checking us out at www.masterypartners.com or email us at info at masterypartners.com to learn more. We're back with Rick Krebs, a certified exit planning advisor and author of sell your business by design, not by default. Rick, uh, you're also a CPA, right? And so uh, we talked a little bit about this before the break, but why is it important to engage with a CPA who has transaction experience when selling your business? We talked about that from the attorneys, but why is it important to have a CPA who really understands transactions? So most CPAs, and and I say, Reformed CPA, that's what I am. <laughs> but uh, the, the CPAs are, are very good historians. And most CPAs uh, spend most of their time to either getting books prepared, financials prepared, or doing tax returns. And so they don't see clients or they don't advise clients who are selling their companies on a regular basis because their, their core business is something else, right? It's preparing financials and doing tax returns or doing audit reviews. And so they're just not aware of the things that business owners need to be aware of. And I'm speaking in general terms here. So what I find is, that, and I'm an M&A advisor as well. So that's my core business. What I find, in fact, our team, there's two of us and both of us are CPAs because I feel like that background is really important in the space which we're in. Because a lot of times these people have, have bootstrapped these businesses. They've started them from the, from the ground up. And as the business has grown, the level of sophistication for their financials has not grown. Mm. You know, maybe their wife was doing their, keeping their, their records in the, on the kitchen table, you know, with the checkbook when it started. And then they got QuickBooks. And, and so usually there's some housekeeping that needs to be done financially. And I find that my CPA background is very good. Um, it lends itself well to helping clients do that housekeeping they need with the financials and getting them up to par and ready for a sale. Um, now, CPAs as advisors for people that are selling, if you have a, a good CPA, um, we will need them and we will enlist their help as far as calculating the taxes and that sort of thing. 
but most of those are not deal guys. Most of them uh, are not as familiar with it. So again, you've got to have experts that are, that are experts in this profession of selling businesses and who see these things a lot because there's some, I don't want to say loopholes, but there's some, uh, there's some areas which, where we can get a little bit creative on the structure that will benefit the sellers to uh, minimize their taxes. And they may not be aware of those tax laws. You know, what's the tax code? A hundred and some pages, a hundred thousand pages, I think is what it's up to now. <laughs> they just don't know everything. I know. And I don't blame them. I remember when they used to be able to fit laws on a piece of paper, right? You know, right? I wasn't alive then, but that's the way it used to be. But um, yeah, the tax law is so uh, crazy now. Do you still practice? Are you still a practicing? See, I know you keep no. your license, but you're no longer doing that. Nope, I don't. And I don't do it for clients because it's a conflict of interest. Right. I, I do have people in my Rolodex who I work with that are very good. And so I refer them over. So I can help as an advisor to the client and tell them what they need to do. I just can't prepare their financials and represent them in the sale. It's a conflict of interest to do so. Got it. Yep. Uh, I have an attorney on our team that says the same thing to me that, you know, if he's working with us on the business, so it's a conflict of interest for him to represent them in a, in a transaction. And we have other mm -hmm. attorneys that we would send them to, but, but if he's not involved in it, then we'd like him to do the work because he's just so good. Uh, and yeah. so, so now what are, since you are a CPA, uh, let's talk mm -hmm. about some of the tax considerations that a business owner might face. What are some of those tax issues? Sure. So there's two or three. One is just a basic understanding of tax law. And that is ordinary income rates are typically higher than capital gains rates. And so when you sell your business, typically they're on asset sale basis. Part of that sales price is going to be ordinary income. And part of it is going to be capital gains. And so you just need to understand that the structure and the allocation are very, very important. There's an IRS form, it's form 8594, where you, where you allocate the assets. And that allocation can be, depending on the deal size, you know, it can swing your tax bill hundreds of thousands of dollars. And so you just need to be aware of that allocation, how it's made, and aware that you want to put more of the income over in the capital gains bracket and less of it in the, in the um, ordinary income bracket. Right. So yeah. 10,000 foot level, that's what it is. Yeah, because that's most uh, transactions are kind of asset based. That mm -hmm. changes if you're fortunate enough to be one of those folks that gets a stock sale, right? Yep, yep. And so the the three different types: there's an asset sale, there's a stock sale, and then there's a hybrid. It's called the Section three thirty eight H ten sale, which is a hybrid of the two. And being familiar with those, in fact, the the latter one we just spoke about. The hybrid, a lot of CPAs aren't aware of that. They're just not in the business enough to be aware of it. And I have buyers that have bought multiple business over multiple years that aren't aware of that. Yep. Um, little things that can just save you a ton of money. You just proved right there that you know what you're doing because I, I, if I've talked to a thousand advisors and I've mentioned a 338 uh, H10, no, you know. 10 people out of a thousand might understand what that is. Uh, and so, uh, so you're right. Uh, that's, that is amazing. So, so uh, since we're talking about this, why don't you talk about uh, business sales uh, types of structures that you've got those three, what is, how do those three different uh, structures work? Sure. So let's talk about an asset sale. Most of the transactions are done as an asset sale, meaning your entity stays in place, 
you sell the assets of the business, both tangible and intangible, the asset uh, assets of the business are sold to the new buyer. They create an entity, they operate under a DBA, and your entity is, is eventually just closed down, right? It's a shell company after the sale, so it's just closed down. And so those assets that are sold, um, the different types of assets are taxed differently. And I, I won't get into too much detail, just know that you know, if you have a, a heavy equipment type company, you're going to look at a recapture situation and have a lot of the, the sale be ordinary income. Uh, if you're a service-based business where most of your assets are intangible assets, then you're lucky because those are subject to capital gains, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> and so it's better. So asset sale on one hand. On the other hand, you have an entity sale or stock sale, meaning you sell the entity. The assets remain in the entity and they go to the buyer. Buyers typically don't like to do that because they lose it. Tax-wise, it's less advantageous to them if they're doing a $5 million transaction, for instance, they use they, they lose roughly $5 million worth of future tax deductions because they get to amortize those assets over 15 years, or well, it's between five and 15 years. And so most sales are done as asset sales because it's better for the buyer. And it's not just a little swing, it's millions of dollars of swing depending on your deal size. Uh, once in a while, you have to do entity sales, right? Like I do oil field services company and they have these valuable MSAs and they're with the company. Well, we have to do entity sales. And that's why the hybrid came up, the Section 338 H10. And what this is, is it lets you treat the sale as a stock sale for legal purposes and as an asset sale for tax purposes. So it's a little combination of both. And it is advantageous because the buyer can go ahead and depreciate those assets and we satisfy the legal requirement of the business. You have to be a corporation to do that um, or an LLC taxes a corporation to do those. Okay. So the other thing, if you're a C Corp, you know, C Corps, it's tough to sell those. You can still sell them, but they're looking at a double taxation. So again, the reason you need to start planning for this years ahead. Yeah, we can take C corps and make an X selection on them, and sometimes we do that. But it takes a few years with your tax planner to carefully those waters. Yeah, and I I tell folks it's five years. You know, five years before your transaction, you've got to do that because otherwise you yeah. might be subject to a look back. Uh, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> well, that's the last thing you want, right? And yep. when you're trying to sell a C corp, if you sell the assets out of the C corp, you have a gain within the corporation, and then you pay taxes on it when it comes out as a dividend, right? So. Mm-hmm. You get, you know, it's effective like 60% tax rate. Yeah, and, which is uh, outrageous. It's like the worst, right? Oh, I know. Business owners hate it. And I do too. You know, the yeah. IRS out there with their hand out. Now, I recently I talked with a with a client who is a, a, a C-Corp that's getting toward a, I, I just couldn't convince their CPA to that they should have uh, transitioned to be an S-Corp, but uh, there probably wouldn't have been enough time passed anyway. So I had a conversation with the CPA uh, a few weeks ago when I was with the client and he said, don't worry, we're just going to show everything as um, personal goodwill. Slippery slope. What's that? Yeah, that's a slippery slope. (laughs) Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes. So, so don't, yeah, get, get the right advice. You know, when you're, when you're talking with your folks, make sure that you get somebody who really understands this. I would, I would even recommend that you might call Rick because he understands all this stuff. And we're going to tell you how to do that in just a minute. So one other thing, sorry, Tom, one other thing I want to bring up before I forget is there are some C-Corps out there. There's a, there's a little known tax law 
where C corps are not subject to double taxation. In fact, they're not uh, taxed on any of the gains. And what I think happened is I look back on the law, I think one of the lawmakers had a, had a relative that owned a C corp and they wrote this like very narrow escape from C corp tax law where the gains are not that are not taxed and right. there's very few that ca- that qualify for it but um, there is there is an out and it's kind of a narrow out but there is one that people should be aware of if they is there yeah, is there is there anything in particular i mean the reader's digest version that that a company would go oh i would i might qualify for this is there any kind of criteria that you can share with us on that you know what they need to talk to their cpas yeah. And say and just say, hey, I understand that there's an out for my C Corp. Look it up because again, it's a very narrowly focused practice. Yeah. And you have to, you know, it's like walking a tight wire almost. But there's a few lucky owners of C Corps that have been able to qualify for this and not pay any gains, any capital oh. gains on the sale on a C Corp. Boy, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, before you tell us about your business, um, a quick question here. Is there a good way to increase a business owner's selling price? Yeah. So you'd ask for a good way. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you three. Okay. <laughs> I can have a whole list, right? Yeah. But these are the things that that buyers like. One, they like management in place. Uh-huh. The business has to own better, has to run better in the owner's absence than in their presence. Uh-huh. So solid management that's going to take it and run with it. They like solid customers. They like to see high customer retention rates. They like to see low customer concentration, right? So if your customer uh-huh. concentration is high, you need to work on that, go out and get other customers. And, and business owners sometimes get a little bit lazy with that, right? But looking at that, when I say high, if your top three customers are more than 50, 60% of your business, you need to go find some more customers yep. Right? And, yep, and diversify. And they love to see employees that are happy. Now uh, the employee issue is becoming, I say it's an issue because finding good people is really hard in this market. And there's headhunters out there all the time. Um, I have a digital marketing company. They called it the, the great resignation. You know, they lost like five people in one day. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and so good people. You know, you look at glassdoor.com. What are the ratings? Are the employees happy? And so those three things, and then I would add to that number four is you've got to have a product or a service, which is unique. And I would say world-class that's leading the industry. If you have a secret sauce, something that gives you edge, the edge over your competition, they really like that. Um, They like leaders uh, in the industry, whichever industry you're in. That's awesome. Uh, in fact, my next book, which will be released probably around the time that this series is wrapping up, because we're going to talk about my my second book at the end of this series for our audience. And it is 65 specific things business owners can do to improve the value of their business. And great. Love it. And these four things are in that book. Uh, and so, uh, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of a follow on to our original book, which is, talks about the reasons why you should be doing this and thinking about it. And then we give you, you know, specific things that you can do uh, in the next book, which will be coming out here in the fall. So around the time that this podcast is, is released. So, well, tell us a little bit about your practice and how you help clients drive toward their ideal exit. 
So um, I'm of a mergers and acquisitions firm. We're called Business Sales Group. Been doing this for about 12 years now. And um, how I got into where I'm at is, well, first I sold my company and I didn't have any help. Really? That? There's a mistake. <laughs> we ended up getting attorneys involved, not getting paid. And it was a mess, an absolute disaster. And so after that, I um, had a friend who did business brokering. He's like, Rick, um, you ought to do business brokering. So I started doing it. I learned how to help other people not make the same mistake that I made. And uh, I saw we did we did Main Street stuff, a million and less usually. And uh, business brokers do a great job with those. But I saw this underserved space. Investment bankers typically do 30 million and above. Business brokers do a million and, and below. But there's a space in between where I didn't see that people were getting the help that they needed. And so we focus on that space between a million and 30 million in value. And um, with the CPA background, I feel like it, that my skills lend themselves well to business owners on those. And we're all about adding value and having a good exit. So as part of the exit planning, we work with clients early on and um, we help them assemble their exit planning team. And we help them start getting educated and get the people that they need and surround themselves with the people who can add, increase the value of their business, get them started down the track that they need to go for a better exit. That's that's awesome. I, I, I hope that maybe one day we'll be able to work together because it sounds like okay. we've got a, a good fit for some synergy for our work. I, I, I was not aware that you sold that business. I'd love to have you on. We do a series twice a year called Tales from the 17% Club because it's only 17% of the attempted transactions actually reach the finish line. So 83% failure rate. Would you would you buy a, you know, would you buy a car if you had an 83% failure rate uh, on it? No. Uh, and so, so, but so why do you try to sell your business when it's not prepared? Cause you, the odds are against you, but we, we interview folks on that podcast about their transactions. So if you'd be willing, I would love to have you on and talk about that other transaction and the lessons that you learned from it. Um, and uh, cause it's, to me, it's all about just empowering our uh, listeners with good information and and we've had some folks on there that have had bombs and we've had folks on there that have had real great exits as well so so uh, hopefully we can get you on there well one last question this podcast is all about maximizing business value what's the one most important thing you recommend business owners do to build value in their business one thing one thing i would say get evaluation and learn about how valuation works. Yep. Do I, that early. Look at, be able to, to take the glasses from a buyer and put them on and look at your business like a buyer would. And the valuation is the first step in doing that. Yeah. I love that. I think, I think every business owner should, because most business owners have an unrealistic opinion of what their business is worth. Uh, and so mm -hmm. if you get a valuation, it'll at least help you kind of ground and then if you need it to be worth whatever your unrealistic expectation was, start working on that. Uh, yeah, it so. segues into so many things, right? The valuation just starts that process. It's the tip of the iceberg. Yep. You can start learning about all the other things you need to learn. But that's the, I think that's the single most important because that's the first step right now. I love that. I think it's a great step. Well, I'm not going to let you off the hook, even though you've been a great guest here. Yet We've got to ask you our bonus question. And our bonus question is...
What personality trait has gotten you into the most trouble through the years? I try and do too much, Tom. (laughs) (laughs) I squish too much in a day. (laughs) I have unsuccessfully lobbied Congress for years to give us, you know, uh, 20 or 35 hour days. Right. But I just can't seem to get there. So, uh, yeah, we're all given the same amount of time, what we do with it. Right. I, I totally get that. So how can our viewers and listeners get in touch with you? Uh, my website, www.b, letter B salesgroup.com. That's shortened for business salesgroup.com, www.bsalesgroup.com. Or my email is rick at bsalesgroup.com. Or you can see the book on Amazon, Sell Your Business by Design, Not by Default. Yep, this is what it looks like, and it will be on our website and available um, uh, in Evergreen. So, uh, so you can go there and and pick it up right from our website. Rick, this has been a great conversation. Thank you for being our guest today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me on, Tom. You can find Rick J. Krebs at his the website that he gave you, uh, bsalesgroup.com, uh, or you can find him on LinkedIn. And of course, you can always reach out to me, and I will be happy to make a warm introduction to, to Rick Krebs. This is Maximize Business uh, Value. This is the Maximize Business Value podcast, uh, where we give practical advice. I forgot where I was there for a second. Uh, we give practical advice to business owners on how to build long-term, sustainable value in your business. Be sure to tune in each week and follow us wherever you found this podcast. Because if you follow us, you'll be notified every time we drop a new one every week. So until next time, I'm Tom Bronson reminding you to learn as much as you can about exit planning by reading books uh, written by SEPA, Certified Exit Planning Advisors, while you maximize business value. Maximize Business Value podcast with Tom Bronson. This podcast is brought to you by Mastery Partners, where our mission is to equip business owners to maximize business value so they can transition on their terms. Learn more on how to build long-term sustainable business value and get free value-building tools by visiting our website, www.masterypartners.com. That's master with a Y, masterypartners.com. Check it out. That was perfect. I wouldn't make any changes on that.